morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Selman, also known as the CEO of Collecti Labs, and my good friend, NFT Tones, is looking sharp this morning, so I am very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing Ethereum, XLM, Matic, and global adoption of cryptocurrencies as a whole. We're going to touch it all. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. Johnny Crypto, the people are giving me trouble. And guys, it was my fault. I am sorry that we're late this morning, but believe me, I brought the good information. We needed the extra time for prep and we brought the heat, Johnny Crypto. So let's dive into this thing. How you feeling, my friend? Abs, you're always welcome a free pass. We all need it. We all have difficult days. And so don't worry about it. Don't apologize. You show up every single day. That's what matters. And to all the Warrior Maniacs, good morning. You guys always show up too every day. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And uh, I'm looking forward to today, too. Great to see my brother, Selman, and the little man over there. Tones looking a little spiffy with that hairdo. Selman G is living the dream, people. He's out in Dubai seeing the world. Selman, how you feeling this morning, and how is it out there? you have any stories for our listeners? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Man, Dubai is amazing. You know, imagine, like, literally today, I, di- I didn't realize that, but it's December 20, right? And I was like, man, it's warm out there. So it feels nice. It feels comfy. I can highly recommend, guys, go and see uh, the Middle East. It's it's beautiful. Dubai is incredible. And, um, yeah, we're definitely going to cover some crazy topics. And technical analysis is going to be part of it. And I see the comments here on fire. So I'm very much hyped for today. NFT Tones, I'm loving the new background, kid. The NFT wow. Tones background is a staple. Soon we're going to have a T-shirt. But how you feeling, my friend? And how you doing? You know, I'm feeling fantastic. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited because Gala is bringing the heat. We got so many play tests coming with Gala. And then they even introduced a honor system for spider tanks. So to prevent uh, their silk coin from crashing, just unlike Pegaxi and Axie Infinity and other games. So I'm really excited that they're working on ways to actually implement stuff to prevent uh, massive cash outs and massive dips in uh, coin price. So I'm really excited for everything they have coming. That's awesome. Thank you, Tones. And we're going to get the show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in moderate fear, sitting at a 29. And the daily movers are split even this morning. We've got a little bit of green and a little bit of red, but no particular projects worth addressing. The total coin market cap is sitting at $810 billion. Bitcoin is 40% dominance. Ethereum is 18%. Bitcoin is 16,800, Ethereum is 1,200, XRP is 34 cents, Cardano is 25 cents, and Dogecoin is 7 cents. But let's scroll down to our good friend Quant sitting at 107. But Johnny K, market's acting typical this morning. I'd love to hear what you're doing before we address our articles. Well, you know, I'm just doing what I always do. I just keep an eye on the market, keep an eye for newer lows. If I see newer lows, then I wait to see how they respond. And then I decide if I want a DCA in or not, if it's something that I'm looking at. And so for me, again, this is very slow, very methodical. 
no jumping in, no jumping out. Not don't have to be the first one to buy the you know the the, the first big red candle dip because usually you get a bunch more that follow it thereafter. That's what I've learned in my experience. So I'm just patient. I mean, look at that chart. Look at the chart right there. If you look at that chart, okay, and you look where we are right now today in 2020, what is it, 2022 there, 2023, right there, okay? Now, go back to the last time it touched the red line, Abs. See where it's touching back there in uh, 20, yeah, 15. No, no, up top, up top, up top. Right up there if you go. Yeah, uh, look back, 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 right there. Now, look at how long it hugged along the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all DCA time, right? So, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, just gotta be patient. It's coming, but now it's got to work. It's just hit the bottom. Now we got to work its way up. So there's going to be some time here. So just relax. Take a deep breath. DCA, that's that's the way I'm handling it, my friend. We used to say at the end of the day, we DCA, and that especially applies during a bear market, Johnny. But we got 158 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to get into some XRP content, but I think this video is more important. This is a video of Elon Musk sharing some groundbreaking news around the SEC and his relationship with many of the officials within that agency. I was told by the banks that if I did not agree to, to settle with the SEC, that they would, the banks would cease providing working capital and Tesla would go bankrupt immediately. So that's like having a gun to your child's head. Uh, so I was forced to concede to the SEC unlawfully, those bastards. I was forced to admit that I lied for, to save Tesla's life, and that's the only reason. Don't forget to subscribe below for your daily tip. Guys, don't forget to subscribe below. But, Selman, I want to kick it right to you. What do you think about Elon's statements, and how do you think that applies to the way that they're regulating crypto today? Are we sure this is not AI generated or something? Did it, it, really may, it may be AI, and that's the first thing I thought. But you know what? I'm rolling with it. If that is pretty much what he said, if this is not AI generated, if this is really much pretty much original content, then, damn, like he's very upset, right? You can tell. Um, and... Um, I mean, here's the thing. Johnny Crypto brought it up multiple times, right? And I think um, it's fair if he also addresses that. Um, but many, like SEC went after all these big successful companies. I mean, they turned out to be super successful. And it looks like SEC knew about that. Obviously, the SEC goes after many companies, maybe also like uh, companies that went back bankrupt at some point. But, you know, it's interesting to see that Amazon, uh, Amazon um, you know, has uh, gone through that. Tesla. And I don't want to lie, but Johnny, uh, do you know if Apple was also targeted at some point in the past? I don't know much. Uh, like I remember it was Apple or Microsoft. It was one of the biggest. Yes, ones. one I, of them. I think and, it was Apple. Yeah. And they all ended up getting sued and they all ended up being, you know, tremendously successful after the lawsuit. And I think that's what's got a lot of people excited for, 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 for Ripple's XRP, because obviously once the monkey is off the back, and I mean the SEC lawsuit, that's going to allow them to now operate freely and have clarity. And, you know, my my favorite line in that whole thing was when he called them bastards. That was beautiful. Abs. <laughs> I love it. So I, I think that, you know, for me, you know, good for Elon. If that's not AI and that really is Elon, you know what? I, I can understand he did what he had to do to save Tesla. And that's that's the right thing. That's what a CEO should do. And you see Brad doing the same thing. I'll tell you what, Brad is fighting the SEC. I, I've heard a couple times they could have settled, but he just continues to fight because I don't well, think he got the settlement he wanted. So, you know, that's but what Johnny, does. I also realized, um, you know, a lot of people said Tesla is to, you know, is definitely going to fail. So many short sellers were, you know, always predicting Tesla is overpriced. It's going to get down, et cetera. And um, that was like a couple of years ago, right? 
and maybe um, it's just speculation, right? It's just conspiracy maybe, but what if the SEC was also working with these short sellers to actually, you know, bring down the price and kill Tesla, right? Yay. But it, it didn't work. What if? It's just... Oh no, my God, that's very similar to what Mark Esco said just a week ago, Johnny, about what the banks were doing with Bitcoin and the rest of the cryptocurrency market. Someone, I wanted to show this video before we continue our conversation because this, this I know for sure is not AI generated. This is a clip of Elon Musk in 2018 sharing his thoughts about the SEC. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I want to I be clear. I do not respect the SEC. I do not respect them. But, but you're abiding by the settlement, aren't you? Because I respect the justice system. Boom. And that's going to be Brad Garlinghouse in about four months. Johnny Crypto, what do you think about the Elon clip? Yeah, that's about right. You can just, just, just remove the CEO, put the new picture, save the same words. I suspect you'll say the same thing. I mean, listen, you have to, you have to, if you want to operate in this country, you have to follow the law. Okay. It's just that simple. It's not that, it's not that hard to figure out, guys, that if you're going to, if you, if you're going to, you know, you're going to get sued. And if you're going to uh, if you don't follow the rules, they're going to make your life even harder. So you need to, you know, on that one. So I, I agree with Elon. Like, OK, you, you got to respect the law and you got to move forward within those limits. It's all we could do. Thank you, Johnny. And for anybody who hasn't seen this video yet, we're about to show you a video of Ethereum's founder, Vitalik Buterin, not only making some strong comments about his network, but also making some strong comments about Ripple XRP putting it in the same category as Terra Luna. So let's listen to this one minute clip and we'll go back to the group. Here we go. The only qualification to be able to call yourself part of the crypto space and not have people complain is to just like somehow use cryptography and to have some kind of change data structure somewhere. Like those are literally the qualifications. Like you don't even need decentralization, right? Like I forget, has IOTA even gotten rid of their coordinator yet? I forget that. No, right? the answer is no. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like XRP, right? Like, you know, they're like still completely centralized and, uh, but, uh, you know, at the same time, they are, you know, on coin market cap and, uh, you know, still, I think, uh, haven't apologized for writing documents into the, uh, to the U.S. government, uh, basically saying that they should be favored over Bitcoin and Ethereum because Bitcoin and Ethereum are China controlled. Well, let me just point this out, Johnny. The media campaign against XRP has been in full effect, and there's good reason to believe that they there might be news behind the scenes about some possible settlement and some possible bad regulation for the rest of the market, even though it might be positive for Ripple. We've seen Jim Cramer, Michael Saylor. Who else did we just show yesterday? Uh, Charles Hotkinson, who tweeted at us this weekend. Everybody's coming out of the woodworks to criticize XRP and Vitalik Buterin was just added to this list. While you address the news, I'm going to show you David Schwartz's response to this video. But what do you think about Vitalik stating not only is Ripple centralized, but they are they are pro they are anti-decentralization with what they're doing? Oh, first of all, I can't wait to see Schwartz's response to that. But to come out and say they're fully, fully centralized. I mean, this guy, this I'm still amazed that he's he's ahead of one of the more most. The second largest blockchain in the world, to be honest with you. And apps, before you pull that up, um, you know, CZ was also claiming that SBF is pretty much going to all uh, uh, to all governments and talking behind uh, CZ's back or Binance back, right? And just like that, he's also saying, he's claiming that Ripple is pretty much doing what SBF did, uh, running to central banks or governments and talking behind Ethereum and Bitcoin, right? Uh, behind their backs. Uh but which is, you know, it's a claim. We don't know if that's true or not, but I highly doubt that. But uh, 
you know, um, would be very interesting to uh, get a response from David Schwartz and Brad Gowling was, of course, on that. So this is what David had to say. David responded and said, at this time, he still doesn't understand or is pretending not to understand that Ripple, the company and XRP is a digital asset. He thinks XRP can say things. This is a really interesting, obviously, David's known for his sarcasm. So that's pretty funny. But Johnny, what's the deal here? Let's talk about the serious narrative going on behind the scenes. I do not believe it's a coincidence that guys like Jim Cramer are talking about XRP right now. And then you have Vitalik Buterin stating Ripple's centralized. I mean, we've debated this for years and we've ta- we've dispelled these claims a thousand times. Of the 150 validators operating on the Ripple network, I believe Ripple owns less than 4%. And when I say Ripple Network, I mean the XRPL, so I probably shouldn't say that. Yep. But I believe that Ripple owns 4% of the operating validators. You can't claim that to be a centralized network. So what do you think, Johnny? Yeah, I've heard that they own something like 5% of that. I think the reason why everybody says they're centralized is because they still own 50% or so of the uh, of the XRP um, uh, escrow. And I think that is the reason why everybody continues to say and even Yusko came out and said that why they are considered centralized. So until they start unloading that escrow, they're they're never going to shake that narrative. That's just the bottom line. So the, luckily they, they are under fifty percent of the escrow officially. I think that happened maybe in October. They're down to forty nine percent of the total float. I'm not arguing that makes the entire network decentralized. I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but it is too high. I agree. It's too high until it gets to like ten percent. Then it's kind of hard to argue when when there's ninety percent out in float. Nobody's going to argue that it's centralized anymore. But until, and I'm not saying they are, I'm just saying that's the argument people are using because there's 50% or 48% available. I know this. Brad talked about the other day when he was on the Twitter spaces like two weeks ago. They're actually buying back XRP, they're buying a bunch of it back. So the reality is, you know, I look at it as the validators, 5% of them are controlled by Ripple, the other 95 are not. So to me, I kind of look at it as it being, you know, more in the decentralized, way more in the decentralized camp than centralized. But the reality is you got a lot of haters, Abs. There's just a lot of haters out there. and The haters are going to hate, and that's okay. If they're hating it, that means they're scared of it because it's a threat to them as a threat to him. So, you know, XRP at one point was the number three. I think it was at one point it was the third. At one point it was actually number one, but not, not that long ago before the lawsuit. It was like the number three, third largest crypto market cap wise, right? So. They have reason to be scared of it because they know when the the only thing that's holding it back is the lawsuit. When that thing comes off its back, we're going to see what the true valuation of XRP is in a bear market. Now, another thing is I don't want to give wrong information, of course. Uh, maybe it's not even 4%, uh, Johnny, because we got um, a little over 100 validator notes. And um, Ripple currently holds, I guess, like four or five. So that's, you know, less than four or five percent. And another thing is people believe that Ripple or let's say that XRPL has a proof of stake mechanism. Right. But we don't. XRPL doesn't have that proof of stake. Imagine you have 50 percent or more 51 percent of the whole supply with a proof of stake mechanism. Obviously, it's super centralized. It is 100 percent centralized. But they, they, they think because in their paradigm, everything is proof of stake or proof of work. But XRPL is not. There is no incentive for someone to, you know, start validating uh, or validate a note. There, there is no incentive. You don't stake anything on XRPL. And this is why the centralization aspect, because of holding 50%, doesn't make any sense. The only thing that is a big threat for investors right now, XRP, Ripple, not XRP, Ripple, holds 
fit around 50% and they could possibly dump it if they wanted. And that would, you know, bring the price down significantly. And given the fact that, you know, liquidity in this, in the crypto space is not that high with a 50%, if they were uh, going to dump all the, all their bags, obviously we would hit zero because there is not enough liquidity in the markets. But um, again, um, that's all the, the possibility for that is almost zero. So uh, nothing to worry about, I would say. NFT Jones, any quick comments here before we roll into our next segment? No, to be honest, I'm all good here. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And we got 236 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, you sent me some groundbreaking news yesterday as the BIS greenlighted up to 2% portfolio allocation into cryptocurrencies. And we're going to see the mainstream media start adopting these things because we know that when the banks move, the mainstream media quickly follows. Am I right, my friend? So the BIS Greenlight Bank to hold 1% to 2% in crypto allocation. And this is going to go into effect in early 2025. Commercial banks across the world can now hold between 1% to 2% of their tier one capital in crypto following a decision by Basel's Oversight Committee. Now, what's really interesting in this article is banks like JP Morgan and Capital One are now going to be able to hold billions of dollars in cryptocurrency. JP Morgan will be able to hold $2.6 billion in crypto, and Capital One at the current rate will have $280 million worth of value to move into this market. Before we dive into the deeper details, Johnny Crypto, what did you think when you were reading something like this? I think it was January 1st, 2025, 2% of banks or 2% of allocation is going to be in crypto. What do you think this means for banks? I personally believe, and nobody's going to believe me, that's okay, you don't have to. I personally believe this is the most significant news for cryptocurrency over the past two years that I've been into this thing. By far, the most significant. And you're going to ask me why. I'm going to tell you. So here's the deal. There's been a lot of discussion around you got the blockchain and do you need the cryptocurrencies? Are the cryptos really going to be here? Cryptos are scam. Cryptos are fake. Cryptos are Ponzi. I hear it all the time from the media, hear it from my friends, hear it from family, hear it from everybody, okay? The reason why this news, Abs, was the most exciting to me when I read it was it instantly legitimizes cryptocurrency. Go When you read the article, the crucial thing in there is there's three things they talk about. It's going to allow them to hold tokenization, tokenization assets, stable coins, and unbacked cryptocurrencies, which just tells you that the central banks, the most powerful entity in the globe, has just given permission to all the banks, basically legitimizing it, saying, yes, you can now invest in this technology. This is real. It instantly gave it, in my eyes, the 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 blessing that was its blessing that was the godfather he just gave it. it's blessed people can put two percent banks can now put allocate two percent of now two percent you may say oh it's not a big number but you just saw in JP Morgan it's uh two billion there and another billion here it's gonna add up quickly and the point to me abs is this is by far to me the most significant breakthrough news in cryptocurrency other than finding out the XRP is gonna be the one when they flip the switch but to me by far I was so excited when I heard this, and I sent out all my family. I said, guys, here it is. This is the news that you want have been waiting for. This is real. It's here to stay. If you haven't invested, I told my friends and family, now's the time to get in. Selman, I'd love to get your comments here. Oh, floor's yours. Thank you. Um, even Kevin O'Leary stated that 
once there is regulation, this might be the 12th sector, or he thinks it will be the 12th sector of the S&P, right? And uh, keep in mind, all when once the ETFs roll out, right, that is going to be insane as well. You have BlackRock, like the greatest one. They they have run pretty much the greatest uh, ETF. And so it's going to be huge for the space. And this is a nice intro. And I can tell you this, Dubai, for example, the UAE is pretty much crypto friendly. A lot of companies um, settle down here in the UAE. And um, even when you want to open a business account for your crypto company, it is still still a little challenging because banks don't want to like tap into that, right? It's still risky, even though it's crypto friendly, laws are great, but you know, it's not 100% done. They are still testing things, uh, but the government is really pretty much working uh, on integrating the banks. So banks are currently like very skeptical when you want to like um, trade crypto or NFTs or do anything with like cryptos. So I just want to let you know, even in UAE, in the UAE, where, where we actually say this is a crypto friendly place, there are many crypto expos here, right? Worldwide people come to the UAE. Um, you still have banks pretty much like um, a little like closing their eyes when, when we talk about crypto, still they want to watch out and see what regulators are going to do. Ex uh, now expect what the USA is going to do or Europe, right? So uh, it kind of, it basically means it, it, UAE is a small country. It's a pilot project. This will start first. And then eventually when they see it's really up and running, then slowly you're going to see European countries and uh, eventually the United States also joining. And then I don't think 1.2 or 1 or 2% will be, um, you know, the, the, the amount that they will invest uh, into crypto probably could be even like 10% in the future, but regulation is key here guys. So, and we're, we should be great fans of it, but think if things like FTX, et cetera, happen. And if you guys watched uh, coach JV's video today, um, he basically said that, this is all distraction, and it's interesting that all of this happens, uh, all these FTX club, all of Luna crash, all of them happen during, um, you know, the the talks uh, about a stable coin legislation, all of that, right? So you see, they are coming hard. They will come hard, um, but we hope that um, it, it's not going to hurt us investors, but it can also protect um, banks, etc. Right? So it should be like um, I want to kick it right back. Ball. Just to just to paint a broader picture here, I think when you look at what banks are doing globally right now, everybody knows about ISO compliance going into full effect on March 10th of 2025. Now we've got banks set to hold up to 2% of their portfolio allocation beginning in January of 2025. Now, we understand that when ISO goes into full effect, banks are going to need to start custodying cryptocurrency to facilitate a lot of the cross-border transactions. Whether it's, whether it's going to be Ethereum or XRP, we can debate it, but we know that they are going to be holding a lot of these assets to transfer value, and these timelines are seeming to add up. So what do you believe the global narrative is going to be in 2025, and when do you believe the next bull run starts? Everyone knows you for your technical analysis, so what are you seeing on the charts? So um, things have changed, of course. You know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general are facing um, their first... Uh, recession ever right so it's a very new um industry and so we heard what jerome powell said right so they're still going to continue fighting inflation and their target is two to three percent by 2024 and this means they would still consider um rate hikes etc so they really want to suck the liquidity uh from the economy um 
And that is a problem, of course, because we're talking about highly speculative assets. Cryptocurrencies are highly speculative. We know that. And um, so this is why, even though I believe like end of 2023, 2020 and early 2024 with the Bitcoin halving, um, there is going to be the narrative again after halving. Okay, money will flow again into Bitcoin. Let's buy in. So that could be like the start of the bull run, I believe. Um because of the last 14 years, keep in mind, we had a zero, like pretty much zero interest uh, policy. Uh, they were printing money out of thin air and that went or f flooded into the capital markets. And that's the reason why we've seen this huge bubble. And if they continue rate, uh, going for rate hikes and uh, giving us negative uh, comments all the time uh, after each uh, FOMC meeting, probably this is going to be an extended uh, bear market. This could be longer than 2024 um, so it could start at the bull market could start at 2025 if inflation is down to two percent and they will start printing again it's very important that they start printing again i know for the global economy it's not great that they they are printing money right it's not backed by anything but uh if you are invested in crypto and you want to make money here obviously them printing money them pivoting now is obviously gonna um help you gain profits in this space because the risk appetite will rise again. The economy is going to boom again. Uh, it's all up to the money. And this is why I believe like 2024, I would be ready. But if it's not going to happen, then, you know, 2025 would be the time where they're printing, hopefully. And then uh, we're going to see the peaks. And Selman, I think it's no coincidence that China is adding more cities to their digital one pilot today and announcing that in early 2023, they're going to make their digital wand mainstream at what they're calling the Asian Games. They're preparing to showcase this brand new technology. We got 255 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I got to get an ad blocker for this application here. But NFT Tones, what are you thinking about the news we were just covering? The internet adoption curve compared to cryptocurrency, it is 1998. But we have people criticizing this industry stating a lot of these things are going away. What do you believe, my friend? I mean, it's just... I feel like it's it's just inevitable. I mean, if you look at the adoption, it's just you can't look at it between now and then. Like things are so much more different. It, like there's a lot more adoption happening now than what it was back then. Like people were scared of the internet and stuff and people didn't understand it. Now people are on it all the time. We have internet. It's like literally we have all the information on on at the tips of our fingers all the time you know what i mean most of us always have phones and stuff so like i feel like it is only inevitable before we have we see this adoption because if we look at the past everything has always been adopted so i feel like it's only inevitable before we actually see adoption like we've seen with internet phones video games and so on now another thing guys is back then when we talked about uh, routers, when we talked about Wi-Fi and or in, internet is, uh, in general, I've seen a lot of videos. Obviously, back then I, I wasn't even born or or maybe a baby, right? Um, but I've seen videos from the 90s or early 2000s. People were laughing on television saying like, oh, is this going to be, I don't know, like we can connect here on uh, like over the internet, etc. They were making fun um, of it. And imagine what happened right after that and crypto is like internet was something new it was brand new but crypto isn't something brand new the web 3 is just evolution right evolutionary step of web 2 web 1 web 2 and web 3 and because the new generation because of social media 
we can raise awareness. We can get a lot of people um, easily adopt this technology than it was 20 years ago. And so people are also getting smarter and, it, and marketing is way easier than it was 20 years ago. You have TikTok, right? Crazy platform where people immediately, and I believe many people learn about the 3T War Academy through TikTok, right? Not just YouTube. And you see the power of it. 20 years ago, this wasn't possible. Like the internet was something brand new, right? And so um, this is why I believe the, the learning curve uh, or adoption curve for crypto is going to be way, like it's going to be parabolic in my opinion. At some point we will leave that chart we, um, and, and probably we were even, we crossed above that internet adoption. It's going to be parabolic. And um, keep in mind when there's token, when big companies or governments run for tokenization, when and, and big luxury brands and eventually every single small or medium sized enterprise joins the NFT space and wants to connect with their communities, right? You'll see mass adoption very easily. It's not going to be like setting up a Facebook account or MySpace account like 15 years ago. No, it's going to be very fast. In a few years, everybody's going to talk about it, right? Instagram, when it was launched, nobody knew about it. But then a couple years later, it was hyped and everybody has an Instagram account, almost everyone. And crypto is like that. Right now, we're in the early stage of uh, Instagram, but at some point, it's going to be like, like a crazy pump. It's not like you know, everybody learned about crypto through Doge and Shiba, right? That was a great marketing, actually. Um, but the next hype, in my opinion, is going to be even crazier. It's going to be like a tsunami and people will join the space because they will see real utility uh, because big institutions are joining. Any institution is joining. The banks even here in Dubai will be very okay with you investing in crypto, you as a company. So it's going to be way easier for people to invest. Right now, literally, they t told us, hey, like uh, crypto, et cetera, banks are very, you got to be very careful. Banks, like many banks don't accept it yet, even in Dubai. So uh, keep in mind, once they accept it, the banks are the biggest uh, issue here. Once they ex accept it, you're going to see a huge amount of people joining Price will go up and that's even going to attract more people, every retail investor. And so I'm waiting for that parabolic move um, for that adoption curve. And Selman, I love this comment here. It's that Starlink puts the whole earth on crypto and Web3. And this is the narrative of 2025, getting the unbanked banked through the use of cryptocurrencies. There's over a billion unbanked citizens in Africa alone. And all of them, Bill Gates wants to have cryptocurrency. But we got 269 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you how there is a problem reaction solution playing out right in front of us. And Selman G, I want to thank you for joining us today. I know you got to run. Always a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to let this quick clip play talking about how the petrodollar could be on the way out as Saudi Arabia and China are calling for change. Telling Arab leaders on Friday that he wants to buy oil and gas with the Chinese yuan instead of the U.S. dollar, furthering his goal to internationalize the Chinese currency and replace the dollar as the reserve currency of the world. President Xi met with the regional leaders of the entire Middle East and North Africa, some 20-something nations. This is a slight paradigm shift that's beginning to take place here, and it has strategic significance that a lot of the media is, is missing. It wasn't just a meeting with uh, Mohammed bin Salman from Saudi Arabia. He hosted this regional summit, something similar that President Trump did in 2017 when he met with the regional leaders being hosted by Mohammed bin Salman. We've come a long way 
since July of 2017, because this relationship between the United States and the Arab world is tarnished. I have one recommendation here for the administration. Work with the incoming Prime Minister of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, who wants to strengthen and expand the Abraham Accords. That means relationship with Arabs and Israelis. Work with him and have him help you renew the relationship with the Arabs. And Johnny, this is an interesting narrative playing out in front of us for many reasons. But the most important reason is that most people don't know this. Over 80% of U.S. dollar transactions do not take place within our borders. And the grand majority of those are facilitated in oil transactions within the Middle East. That's why this is so dangerous. If the, if the uh, Saudi Arabians agree that they should be settling in something like a digital one as opposed to the U.S. dollar, we're going to see the value of the dollar plummet like we've never seen before. And somebody, Levy Chase, is commenting about the national debt in the live chat. That could play a factor as well. But let's stay, let's stay on the devaluation of our currency. What the hell is going to happen to the U.S. dollar if Saudi Arabia did decide to settle in a separate currency? Game over. Done. Finito. That's it. Goodbye. That's the, that's the plan. And that's what's all happening in the background. Just heard it again today. You have uh, Russia now going around because apparently there's the U.S. just put a, a $60 cap limit on, on, I don't know if you heard about that, on oil per barrel. And they're like, okay, well, then you know what? No more dollars. Now you pay us in gold. And that's going to, you know, once you eliminate the need for the U.S. dollar, the reason why the dollar has been so strong and the reason why they could print it into oblivion and save, you know, whatever. That's not really saving. They're just inflating it and devaluing our buying power. But you could get away with that because the whole entire globe uses it and they need it. So, you know, you're fortunate. Once they move onto a gold, you know, a gold standard initially, any event. Yeah, exactly. The, the you know, you'll see hyperinflation, what's called hyperinflation coming. The, the dollar will be worth nothing. So this happened in a bunch of countries. And I know one of them, I want to say, was in Germany where like you needed 100,000 million marks to buy a loaf of bread. Right. So the reality is, unfortunately, that's what's coming, and that's why I told all my friends and family, like, get the hell out of the dollar. Get out of cash. I mean, Ronnie, really quick, and the reason why I think this is coming is because the U.S. in a lot of ways is incentivized to do this. They're going to convince us that the dollar is bad, roll us into a new currency, hopefully backed by some assets. It could be a digital asset. It could be a basket of goods. When you're looking at this graph here, it's clear in the direction that this currency is heading. And one of the things that we're trying to figure out is where can we put our money to hold and sustain our value and cryptocurrency is becoming stronger by the day. So I just wanted to throw my two cents in there. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and while, I, while I agree that cryptocurrency is one option, I don't believe it's the only one. And I'm not playing it that way. For me, it's more about gold and silver. <laughs> it's really more about gold. I mean, that's where the, just, just again, what does Coach always say? Do what the millionaires and billionaires do. What, what are the big countries and governments doing? You know what they're buying? Yeah, gold. Exactly. Gold, like it's going out of style. It's being bought all over the place in the rest of the world, the globe. Everybody's buying it. Russia, China, India, they're all buying gold, okay? Guys, if you don't see the writing on the wall, I, I can't help you. Um, and by the way, you know, we are not financial advisors. We do not give out recommendations here on the show. You guys have to decide what you want to do for yourself. Go do your homework, do your research, and decide where the best place is to protect your assets. Just go do a quick Google search on, you know, what happens to the dollar if it becomes uh, no longer the central reserve, it'll, it, it actually reserve world reserve. It'll actually tell you, it lists a whole bunch of things that are going to happen, what it means, what you should do to protect yourself. Go do those kinds of things. I can tell you one of the things they talk about and recommend is gold. 
And uh, for me, Abs, that's one of the things that I've I'm doing. Um, you know, in terms of just trying to, uh, we know one thing for sure. You hear it all the time on the show. What does Yasko say when he comes on the show? What's the only, the only real money? Is the only real money? Is what? The only real money is gold. Gold is the only real money. Everything else is that, right? So for me, if you want to protect yourself and you see the writing on the wall that we're highlighting to you, we're telling you, you can see all the pieces coming into play. You can see them. We know we showed the curve abs. Abs, you have that chart? Maybe next time we'll bring up where it shows like every reserve currency, how long it lasts before it passes on to the next. Yeah, I can pull that up. It's about every hundred years. Well, guess what? The U.S. has outlasted its hundred years. We're just about there. So it's time to pass the baton again. Not that I want it to happen, but it's just that's just how it's been working. So there's no reason to think that it isn't going to get passed again, uh, most likely to the Chinese yuan or maybe a basket of currencies. That's going to be the next, you know, world reserve called the SDR or something, or ESDRs or something like that. But at the end of the day, all you can do is gold. For me, gold, silver, crypto, and, of course, land. I mean, any kind of real physical asset you can own, like land, real estate, land, that kind of things. you know, that's always a a great investment as well because, you know, that asset naturally always uh, increases in value as, as inflation happens, so. Thank you, Johnny. And we got 289 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to have a little bit shorter of an episode today, but I want to show you this video of Binance CEO calling Kevin O'Leary a liar. So we're going to let this play and go back to the group. Here we go. It says he didn't know that Binance was a shareholder of FTX. So he invested in FTX without looking at the cap table. But he was very specific in the way he counts for a transaction two years ago. So that's kind of contradictory. So um, I think Calvin's a liar. So um, I think he's lying about, about a bunch of stuff. So that's okay, his problem. But- to us, we want to be transparent. We want to set the golden standard for reliability, solidness in the so space. So Johnny, let's have a conversation here because one of the things I'm worried about is whenever they promote somebody as a savior of the industry, a couple of months or a couple of years later, they, they create the black swan and CZ is somebody they're promoting in full effect right now. So before we get into the Kevin O'Leary stuff, what do you think of CZ and the fact that Binance, there's so many rumors speculating around this this exchange. What are you watching, my friend? Well, first of all, I, I love the way CZ calls him Kelvin. <laughs> Kelvin is lying. I do agree with you, CZ. Kelvin is definitely like Calvin Kelvin. He's definitely lying. No question about it. He's a, you know, he's definitely made the, uh, the list. We put him up here on the rat snake weasel chart. That's kind of where, you know, unfortunately, Kelvin, Kelvin O'Leary made it. And it's too bad because I really wanted to like Kelvin. But, um, but you know, he, he made his own deal. And, you know, to sit there and tell people that, you know, you've lost. What did he say? You know, he lost like $15 million when the reality is, abs, we all know that he was actually paid. I believe it was $15 million and he lost 10. So he made five after screwing a bunch of people. So to Still me. Still a good year. Yeah, for him, it's a for him, it's a good year. Not so good for everybody. But getting to your point, you said something. You know, you talked about whoever they usually promote as the uh, savior becomes the 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 destroyer. Um, I, I'm I, in this particular instance, I'm still wondering who really is the destroyer here in this one because you do see a battle going on between Coinbase and Binance. Something big is going on between those two powerhouses, and for me, it makes me wonder. You know, it's just good versus evil, right? And are they trying to wear down and destroy CZ 
because he basically pulled the rug out from underneath everybody on their plan or whatever they had going with FTX, right? CZ was the one that kind of kind of brought it to light by enabling it to happen when he when he uh, started selling. So the question here is, is he the bad guy or is he the good guy? Because if you look at what a few videos we played the other day on Friday, they were actually going after him. The media was going after him really, really hard, making him to be out almost like a villain. So I almost think he is not a bad guy, but they're going to try to make him out to be one. That's my guess, if you had to ask me. NFT Jones, any two cents there, my kid? Yeah, so I just want to say I find this – I just find it interesting because, like, it, you, like Johnny said, there's a war going on between USDT and USDC, and Binance is – uh, supporting USDT while Coinbase is supporting USDC. And it's just interesting because with all, with everything we're seeing, we know shit can come out of the woodworks at any moment. And like, it could literally destroy Binance and uh, USDT. So it's, it's definitely something really interesting. It's definitely one of the reasons why I don't keep any money on any exchange anymore. No cryptocurrency on any exchange because of the fact that I can't trust any exchange. I don't trust any of these mo mother freakers anymore because they're all RSWs. They're all rat snake weasels and they're all out. To, I feel like to take my money. So I, I don't trust anybody. I keep them all in hot wallets now because it's just after seeing this market, it's just ridiculous. Thank you, NFT Tones. And one of the things that I was disappointed by was when we found out that MetaMask was not decentralized and they were actually recording people's data and people's um transactions without their know-with-all. So it's really interesting about what's going on behind the scenes. We're going to end this episode out with an interesting clip talking about United States crypto regulation and what was taking place behind the scenes in 2018 and 2019. White House representatives were meeting with people such as SEC officials to create guidelines around U.S. regulation four years ago. And we got some details here. We're going to let this play and go back to the group. Here we go. We just held a summit, Anderson Horowitz, in May last month. Uh, and we had regulators from every single one of the major regulatory organizations in Washington, D.C., and by the way, from other jurisdictions, uh, states and also other countries, come together in San Francisco with a group of key thought leaders in crypto. And we had a closed door session for a full day, 250 people approximately, where we discussed this very thing. What should the regulations be? What ought they need to look like? And how do we move this forward in a way that both fosters innovation, but that is protective of consumers? So, Johnny, what I think is so important about that clip is she's saying those conversations were being taken place in 2018, in 2019, and then in 2020 of December, I mean, in December of 2020, Ripple sued by the SEC for allegedly selling unregistered securities. That tells me that those conversations were being had for years behind the scenes before litigation was brought forth. What's it mean to you, Johnny? All this, I just wish I was a bug on the wall in that conversation. Let me tell you, that would be great to know what the hell they were talking about back then as they try. But see, here's the thing. So three years you've been talking about regulating and protecting. Yeah, we know JP Morgan owns MetaMask. That's why they've been stealing all your data. But thanks anyway for that, Greenwood. We've, we've, we've mentioned that several times that JP Morgan uh, has their, their claws into, into Ethereum and MetaMask. But anyway, yeah, is owned by consensus and consensus is JP Morgan it's partners with, or partners with JP Morgan. Right? JP Morgan has a big chunk of consensus. But um, one of the things here is in terms of this thing. So three years now, abs, three years, they've been trying to say here that the, you know, Oh, we need to get regulation. We've got to protect the consumer. Okay. Well, where have you been? 
what has we going? What's we going? Three years we had conversation three years ago, and we've had in the meanwhile, Aero three arrows collapse, FTX collapse, Luna collapse. You'll sell out. I saw all these things are collapsing. Where's the protection? What are you guys doing? Three years and nothing's been there. What do you got to show for it? Absolutely nothing. There's no regulation. There's nothing but the wild, wild west. And you've been talking about this for three years. Come on, let's stop talking and let's start putting some regulation in place. That's what needs to happen. And good regulation, not crappy regulation. So you're wild, telling me wild, cowardly cowboys, Johnny. So they've been sitting on their ass for three years, not doing anything while the whole market, while everything's been going to shit. Isn't that amazing? Like, oh, it, I'm sure they're doing stuff. <laughs> you just ain't gonna know it because it all happens behind the scenes. Well, yeah, that's the issue, and I'm sure it's not anything that, for us as consumers or public, we don't want some of these laws or stuff that's going to come because it's probably not going to help us. It's probably going to help the big big boys more. That's the unfortunate truth, my friends. And I'm looking for an article to end this episode out on today on Johnny. So while we do that, why don't we show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto? And then we're going to close it out with an interesting article. All right. Sounds like a plan. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, guys, I think uh, as we move closer to getting in, you know, now, especially I'm so excited because with that news from, from the BIS that, you know, banks can now hold one to 2% of crypto and they literally legitimized it and gave the blessing, you know, that to me means at some point in time, Abs, you're going to see the crypto market take off as we show in the adoption curves, right? Now, we know we're very, very early. We're like in 1997 and 1998 right now. And it's very, very hard for people to believe that this thing could become huge because there's so much FUD and negativity right now. But guys, when this thing does take off, I'll tell you, man, when, when we were going through the bull markets a year ago or a year and a half ago, for me, it was so exciting, but it was also stressful abs because I couldn't see my portfolio. I didn't know what it was doing. You know, and so that's why we created the, the, the Excel spreadsheet and the Academy. So people could at least track what's going on, but that didn't automatically update, didn't have exit plans. So I'm so excited about Merlin because hopefully in early or the uh, Q1 of next year, we're going to be launching Merlin and folks will be able to actually see all their stuff in one place. They'll have exit plans for their stuff. They'll get alerts. We're really excited about it. And uh, we think it'll be a great tool to help people out. So yeah, really, really looking forward to it and, uh, and to be able to help people out there. Yes, NFT Tones, floor is yours. Yeah, so before we close this out, uh, I just want to say I want to piggyback on what Johnny was saying about the 1% to 2% holdings with the crypto, with the banks. Uh, if G- So JP Morgan is uh, has the biggest tier one capital at $263 billion, So they can actually hold $2.6 billion in crypto, while Capital One, another uh, on the other hand, 
is another tier one and they only have uh, 28 billion. So they can hold about $280 million worth of crypto. This is huge news. Like this is really, really big. I, I just wanted to bring that up because like with JP Morgan and Capital One being able to hold this amount of cryptocurrency, this is huge. This could really be a big driving factor in driving these prices up. And especially if all the banks can do this, which they can now, one to 2% is a huge number. And I feel like this is really going to drive numbers up. See, I would say it's maybe not necessarily a huge number, but that's not significant. What's important here is the blessing. It validated and legitimizes it by saying, hey, you guys can now hold this on your on your asset or balance sheets as a legitimate holding. And so that is why I believe it's going to legitimize crypto. And now it's 1% to 2% today. But when it gets regulated, regulated and it becomes stabler, that number is probably going to grow over time to 3%, 4%, maybe even 5%, right? And that's going to then be significant. And that's all going to happen during this whole growth and adoption thing. Those are all the exciting things that are to come. And that's why I'm excited about crypto because I say it all the time on the show. We're so damn early. It feels like we're late. But no, we're just early. We're so early and we're all impatient. We want it to happen tomorrow. And it's not, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to take five to 10 years. But the question is, will you be patient enough? And will you have the proper exit plan to take profits along the way and carry some of those bags in the future? That's what I've learned to do. And my big mistake in 1997, when I sold Amazon ads after it went up, is that is not a mistake I will ever make again. I actually believe I was taught that lesson to be able to share that with all you guys. So you don't make my mistake. Don't be giant crypto and sell your Amazon at $27. And I think so, the largest advantage to growing during a bear market is not only the fact that you get to ride the full bull run up, but you're one of the people who has that solid plan. Anybody who comes into the market during a bull run is out there chasing pumps. And I can speak to it for myself. I remember in 2021, at the end of that year, right when we hit 69,000, the majority of the market was calling for a six-figure Bitcoin. And you could look at BlackRock, you could look at JP Morgan. And that's when those large mainstream media campaigns were rolled out in full effect, telling us that we were going to get that next leg up. And of course, that's when everyone lost their money. But Tones, I know you had a comment. The floor is yours, bro. Yeah, so I just wanted to say, if you go to the bottom of that article, the recommendation was actually 10%. So they were recommending not to do 1%, but 10%. So uh, I, I feel like that's actually really interesting because like you said, Johnny, in later years, they're obviously going to increase it. And so increasing it to 10% is really, really going to be big, I feel like. Exactly. That would give you more than $26 billion. Then we can start talking about some pumps. But but there you go. So that gives you an idea of where they're thinking, right? So obviously they were thinking 10 and obviously they got conservative. They went 1% to 2%. But the point is, don't be surprised if somewhere along the way, um, that's right. And that's uh, George Carlin said that one big club and we ain't in it. But the reality is, yeah, they're thinking somewhere around 10%. Someday, if we ever get to 10% holdings, you know, with it, that, and that's just what the banks can do. Then there's the institutions and all the other, you know, it's, it's going to be, <laughs> again, abs, this was probably for me the most significant news was that article. I was super excited to hear it and see it. I think it's super, super exciting to know that, um, that the, the banks just got the green light to go ahead and, and invest in crypto. Well, the second biggest news of the day, Johnny Crypto, is that Brad Garlinghouse is following 589 people on Twitter. Before we close out today's episode, what's he doing? Why is he messing with us here? Oh, man, there is no doubt about it. <laughs> he is messing with the whole XRP Army and community, but I don't care. I, you know, it's good. It's all good. Numbers are 
numbers do have a role to play in our society. Numerology is huge. Astrology is huge. We know it all works in there. And so if Brad wants to go at 589, we all know that's really more about Basil. But that's okay. He certainly can go with it. I think um, I let, let Brad have a little fun, Abs. He's been under a lot of stress for the past year, year and a half. Uh, but I do like I do like how he's certainly held up very strong. And I like how he's growing Ripple's footprint around the world. Globally, he is really starting to put his footprint in places uh, where we don't see other areas, you know, other companies going. He's really, really helping to grow the ecosystem for XRP. So that at some point in time, or RippleNet, where at some point in time the ODL will be something that almost you know anybody who wants to play in the system is going to need to use. That's what we're all waiting to see. That's part of the game. What we're trying to understand. But remember, guys, this: everything we're in is speculative. You know, and I see people complaining in the comments sometimes. So, oh, hey, I invested in this. I invested in that. Guys, you have to do your own homework and research. We cannot. We are not financial advisors, and none of us know what's going to happen. In fact, why do you think we own a bunch of horses in this race? Because most of them are going to go to zero. Most of us are going to lose money. So if you're in this and you're putting in money you can't afford to lose, I will tell you right now, don't do that. Be smart about only invest what you can afford to lose. I think, Abs, one of my fears is that people believe crypto, you know, as we talk about here, could have this big boom. I think people are just racing to put all their money into it, hoping it's going to make them super rich. And that's not a smart move. You have to be diversified. Put your money in certain assets. And here's the funniest part, Johnny. It's like, at least they're doing it during a bear market. The worst part was when people are doing that during a bull market. It's the total opposite of what you should be doing. If you are going to start dollar cost averaging in heavy with long-term outlook, you're going to be successful in this market. Anybody who's willing to go through a four-year cycle is willing to become a millionaire. That's what I like to say. But Johnny, I just yeah. want to remind our listeners that Bank of America is going to be using RippleNet for on-demand liquidity after the settlement. And Brad Garlinghouse is a member of the World Economic Forum. So when you say who's here to stay, look at the partnerships, look at connections. And we got Ripple XRP at the forefront. 241 live listeners are joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to NFT Tones. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. And thank you to CEO of Selman Labs. CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G. We got Tony Edwards joining the show tomorrow morning. We're going to close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Tony Edwards, tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern time.